Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. All right, as you all are preparing to take your seats, help me introduce the title for today's message. Everybody say, this will bless you. Take your seats, take your seats. This will bless you. Today is a day that we get a chance to celebrate, to acknowledge all of the individuals who help to make sure our ministry can flow. As many of you know, us as a church, we don't have the capacity to have full paid staff to do all of the things that we need. It's just not feasible. However, we have amazing people who connect in to make sure that everything we need can happen. From singers who show up regularly to usher us into the presence of God, to trustees who take care of the property to make sure that things are happening in the ways that they should. From deacons who literally fill the gaps. And, and I know I don't do this often, but can we just stop and celebrate our deacons? Amen. I know some of you, you may not even recognize what they do. I hope, you know, we've been going through trying to make sure that you can know your deacon as they're separated in zip codes, but many of them fill in gaps from helping us to put down chairs, pick up chairs, being there when folks are going through bereavement or in hospital rooms. These are those. Some of them pick folks up to try to help them get to church. Literally, in all the ways that we have needs, our deacons and the variety of their own needs show up and show out. 
Many of you, we've been pushing. You're starting to help out with our children's ministry. So we have individuals that make sure that our children can be learning the word of God to grow up in the ways of God because you know and you sense how good God has been. And I know I will not go through the list of the 30 plus variety of ministries that our church actually offers. If you didn't know we had that many ministries, let me invite you to come and learn more because there are places for each of you to be able to be involved. But all of that said is we do what we do. We can show up Sunday after Sunday. We can be a part of the work that's happening in the community because so many of you give of your time and effort. That was just an email from the Lord telling me I'm doing the right thing. So it is with that in, in heart, I was sitting and asking, okay, God, I want to make sure that I can, I can provide a gift. Surely nothing that we could give could be, you know, good enough for all of the work that all of our volunteers provide. But I did sense that if any of them are like me, we all are looking for God to bless us. In fact, if I was to take a, a kind of like tongue-in-cheek just survey, if I was to ask the congregation by a show of hands, how many of you would love for God to bless you? Just by a show of hands, okay? I had a sense uh, that that might be the case. And then I was going to kind of tweak it. Um, how many of you actually believe God wants to bless you? Just by a show of hands, how many of you believe God wants to bless you? Oh, amen. Eh? We got folks in the back, two hands. God, yes. Feet, feet in the air. Lord Jesus, I believe it. And it is my heart, it is literally my desire that God's people will be blessed. Yeah. And to help us to see what it is that God wants to do. There are a variety of blessings that God bestows and they cost us nothing. Amen. We wake up every morning with breath in our body and the activity of our limbs. This is a blessing from God. Many of you are able to eat multiple times a day just like myself. And we know we say grace because we know it is nothing but a blessing of God. But then there are some things, there are some opportunities, there are some blessings that are reserved for the individuals that are willing to hold to God and to believe in God. And then God responds to their actions with another level of blessing. I, I wish that y'all can hear this. I, I believe that God blesses everybody. I think all of us wake up with a certain opportunity of blessings, but every now and then we can submit ourselves to God, do the things that God will have for us to do, and just like a loving parent that gets excited when their children make straight A's, all of a sudden God responds with additional gifting and blessings for the individuals. And so I want to say, I believe God wants to bless some people today. And as I opened this scripture, which I've always preached and saw a different way, I got a new view of what was happening here. I want you to know, I, I think this will bless you. As I looked at this scripture today, we enter into a story that's already happening. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so graced, right? Like my son is in school and he, they're teaching them about literary functions. And one of the literary functions they're talking about is the ways to create suspense, right? And so one of the things, that is, this is literally the terminology that, that writers and moviegoers, right? That, that they create suspense by what they call playing God. Everybody say playing God. 
What playing God means is that the listener or watcher knows more information than the character in either the book or the movie. So you're giving information up front that the people in the show or the movie or story don't know. So you're watching them live into the truths that you already know about them. Now, for many of us, this gives us a place of privilege. We can watch and we ask questions. Oh, why did they do that? Why didn't they just trust? Why didn't they just believe? Because the truth is they're living far more like us, but we were in the privileged position of being able to know the ideas, the thoughts, or the minds of God prior to God doing it. And this text opens us up just that way. We enter into a story. And it says, then the Lord said to Elijah, we are being given privy information to how God is speaking to the prophet. That in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, this is the first time that the prophet Elijah has even been mentioned. And prior to this, when God brought him up, he stood up and talked to the leaders of the day and told them that God did not like the way that they were acting and a drought was on the way. And since he had been so inspired to communicate on behalf of God, I always think we should be mindful that prophecy often in scripture didn't just come with good stuff, but it also had some bad stuff connected. So we ought to be tinging if we hear prophecy to us. So if the prophet comes to you and they ain't never got nothing bad to say to you, you might want to watch out if you believe that prophet, but that's another side. So this prophet now comes and says some bad stuff is happening. And it's so bad that then the prophet has to go into hiding. Literally leaves and is hiding by a brook. Because I want y'all to see the truthfulness of what it looks like to really live in life with God. We believe that God communicates to us. God tells us to do something. God gives it to us and everything gets easy when the truth is that's not the case. And the same way that it is for you, the same way that many of you are living, trying to make decisions for God, and then you make the decision and life seems to get more challenging. That is not a communication that God is not with you, but it might be a situation that God is setting you up to bless you. It just might be the opportunity that God is giving you to show you something that you've never seen before. But anyway, before I jump too quick, he shows up, he says his piece, he's now hiding by a brook. This is verses one through six. And God tells him, don't worry about it. The land is getting bad, but I'll have animals take care of you. So literally ravens are bringing food to him. Now, in my spiritual mind, I'm like, man, they going out snatching pre-cooked meals and they bringing them to Elijah. This is amazing. In my non-spiritual mind, I'm thinking, did this bird eat something and regurgitate it and give it back to Elijah? I don't know which is which, but we do know that Elijah was not hungry. That's what we do know. He's pushing to hiding. He's sitting by a brook. He is being fed by ravens because he's trying to make sure he is not seen. And then the very brook that he's sitting in dries up because they're in a drought. And the drought now leads to a famine. So now the Bible tells us that God communicates to Elijah to go to the, the city of Zarephath. And this is important because this is a foreign city. 
This is the city with the land and the God of Baal leading. So God sends his prophet into foreign hostile land with no provisions, with no ability, and tells him that he again will be taken care of by a widow. Now, the word widow here is one of those that can kind of mean either the woman who has lost a husband or it could just mean woman, but most of the translations lean towards widow because she does have child. And so the belief now is that God sends the prophet in the middle of a drought and a famine to a woman who has lost her husband and also doesn't have a lot of resources. Please walk with me. I promise this is going to bless you. God didn't send her to the, I mean, send Elijah to the people that would have had all the resources. Granted, everybody is struggling at this point, but he sends Elijah to a woman that didn't seem like she would have the capacity to be able to provide for his need, yet alone his need and her need. Yet God sends him to her. And when he gets there, he sees her, and I don't know if he just knew this was the woman or if he was just taking a guess, right? He just threw it out there. Now, to be clear, there is this ancient form of hospitality. Well, when you went to different cities, people, when they saw you, especially a traveler, they would take care of you. I can only imagine how dangerous this could be, but this was the custom. You don't let people just die because they don't have anything. So if people have to move from city to city, then when they came, you would take them in. I can't even fathom that way of living. But she does. She's in the process to make her last meal. Imagine the inner thoughts that she's having, getting these last sticks, thinking that this will be the last meal, and she encounters somebody asking for something. If there was any person that had the reason to say no, it was her. If there was any person that could have said, I am sorry, the way my life is set up right now, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do for you. I can barely do for myself. If there was anybody that we could look at and say, this is somebody that doesn't need to have to deal with this. Maybe she could have reached out to somebody else. But her initial response to Elijah was, Elijah's request is to go get him some water. Now, this is a sea town, so water more than likely would have been more prevalent here than in other places. But food, that's another thing. So, as she is being kind enough to respond to the request for water, he adds on the request for food. I push pin, just push pin here. Have y'all ever encountered the people who may be in need, who've asked for something, and you are willing to oblige the first request? And now that they found out that they got you and you listening, they add to that first request with a second request. And now in your sanctified self, you get immediately angry because you feel like they're trying to take advantage of you. He's like, listen here, why you need an apple pie and a sandwich? You ought to be happy that you eat. None of y'all ever felt like that. It's just me. Okay. 
Just saying those are my own unsanctified ideas, right? So now she's on her way to go get water, and he's like, hey, and while you're doing that, <laughs> I am hungry. Uh, let, me get some, let me get a little something to eat, too. And I promise I cannot say this with any, any true inkling that this is right, but I'm telling you, this is a woman of color. I believe it in my soul. Mid-steps. Hey, can you give me something to eat, too? Let me tell you something. That's the way I heard it. She says, I swear by your God. Watch this, watch this. I'm telling you, this, is, this, this will bless you if you let me, let me build this. It wasn't even her God. She was in a foreign country. Had not been introduced to the God of Israel. Had only heard the stories. <laughs> Yet God had told Elijah that he was going to go talk to somebody that he ain't never talked to before. Please, please hear me, hear me. Because it didn't matter if she had heard him before or not. What mattered was her ability to hear God when God spoke then. Because if, 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 I, if I could just sense, right, for those of you that are uh, fresh to the faith, for those of you that have been walking the faith, one of the hardest things, one of the hardest things to ever do in faith is to be able to rightly identify when God is speaking to you. Come on, I wish I, wish I had an honest church. I, I wish I had some folks that really were, were serious. You know you want to stand up and you want to believe. You want to profess that you have the faith, but then you have the variety of doubts. God, is this just me? God, am I making this all up? Was it just my own personal desires? How do I know that this is you? And she doesn't have the benefit that we have. She doesn't have a Bible that she can easily consult, that she can just grab a device and go back to look at all the stuff that God has said before, to now chronicle and see if this lines up with what God has said. She has to believe just in herself that God is speaking to her. And Elijah shows up, just a random guy, that apparently must be all right. And now she's like, listen, you look like the type that believe in a God type. You, you one of them God type people. I can see this already. But I swear by your God. I can't even give you my God. I ain't got one. But I swear by your God. Not only do I not have bread, I only have enough flour to make you some. To be honest, my plans were to, for today were to eat my last meal. I was already writing my obituary. I had already parceled out how bad it was going to feel as me and my son looked each other in the eye to see who died first. And I can't be honest, but I wish that I would die first because I don't want to have to watch my son die first. But I'm scared that if I die first, my son is going to be there all by himself and he can't take care of himself. So now I got to stay because I don't want him to die because I'm not there. I don't even know what to ask for. I'm sitting here and I'm trying to tell you, sir, I can't help you. It's a drought. It's a famine. I got nothing left. And watch this. Watch how he responds. I promise he says, 
All right. I hear all that. However, go do this. I want you to hear it. If the Bible was written in our time, he was been like, I, I hear all that. Or as, as, as our worship pastor would say, I hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. All right? I hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. However, watch this. Don't be afraid. Do what you're going to do. I don't think you're lying. I think you're telling the truth. Do what you're going to do. How, but before you do that, do this. Make me some first. You ain't got a lot, but make me some first. You already running out. Make me some first. You don't know me from Adam. Make me some first. The audacity of this request. The audacity of this request. And, and can I just be 100 with you? 100%. I was reading this and I can think about all the ways that leaders could misuse ask of people with little, like in situations like this. I just heard it, right? I'm reading the text. I can't be honest. I want to be honest, right? And then I feel God tell me, so you mean to tell me if your people are in a bad space, if your people now are dealing with high inflation, if your people now are dealing with layoffs in tech companies, if your people now are dealing with all the things that would look like economic recession and drought, you mean that you would tell them you wouldn't be willing to be honest with them and tell them to give to me because you're worried about the way that it will look? And since you're so worried about the way it will look, you won't allow them to uh, tap into the process that will actually transform the way that they're living because you keep looking at what's in the jar and I'm trying to tell you what I can do around the jar. But you got to be willing to open your mouth and say, but give to God first. This is the blessing for you. Because I know everybody in here has a reason that you shouldn't be serving. Everybody in here has a reason why you shouldn't be giving. Everybody in here has a reason why you need more for yourself. But can I tell you, the thing that will bless you is not you just pointing to all the issues that are in your life, but it's you recognizing that there's a God that is bigger than the issues. And when I'm able to give to the God, the issues seem to go away. Now watch this. Elijah says, cool. Go ahead. Do what you're going to do. Just make me a little bit first. But watch this. And the God of Israel, the God you don't know, the God that you claim is mine, is about to treat you like you his. And while everybody else is running out, you won't run dry. See, oh man, I wish I, I wish I could preach it. Because when I came to it, I was thinking, how come it's not overflowing? Oh, you missed it. Let me read the text. Let me read the text. He says, now, verse 12, but she says, I swear to you. No, no, verse 13. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. 
For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and oil left in your container until the time that the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. I wanted God's miracle to be that the pots and the jars were overflowing because only the overflowing communicated God was doing something amazing. When the truth is that really the God is doing something amazing means I keep going back to the same jars and just when I didn't think it was enough, I got some more to come back out. I, I go back again and some more keeps coming back. I go back again. I have never seen the well run dry. See, because overflowing is the way that it makes me feel good and I can show it off to everybody else. But never running dry is the faithful moment. I'ma stick my hand back in another empty pot and I'ma believe that by the time I lift it up, by the time I pull it out, something. That the blessing came because she was willing in a situation of drought and famine when there was not enough to say, I'll still give just a little bit first. I'll give the rest of myself but a little bit first. And God does the God thing. God shows up and says, cool, if you're gonna trust me with your jaws, I'll make sure your jaws keep working. If you're gonna trust me with your flour, I'll make sure your flour keep working. You're gonna trust me with your oil, I'll make sure your oil keep working. And some of you know that your car been running and you ain't took it in because you've been willing to give that car back to God. Some of you know what this is like. That bank account should have ran dry a long time ago. Some of y'all been driving on fumes a long time. Some of y'all been worried about a job a long time. Worried about healing a long time. Can I tell you? He says, do this first. And watch over and over again. Where everybody else around you is being laid off. Over and over again. Where everybody else who's laid off don't know where their meal is coming from. Over and over again. Why every single time you don't know how you gonna do it over and over again because she had the ability to have enough faith. Now, okay, y'all can sit down, I promise, I'm, I'm almost done. And this was the part that I wanna be honest that scared me. I, no, I'm, I don't lie to y'all, just tell y'all the truth. This is what scared me. Because for her, God's voice was brokered by another person. And this is problematic to me, right? This is problematic for, probably for a variety of us because we've seen people misuse brokering God's voice. Right? We've seen people do it the wrong way. And as much as I can acknowledge that, it doesn't wipe away the fact that God still speaks through people. 
that the challenges and the mistakes that people have made in the, in the presence or in the representation of God does not mean that God has stopped working through those representations. But if our minds can't be open enough, if we can't be privy enough to be able to discern when this is a man of God or this is a woman of God or they're speaking on behalf of God, we might miss what God is saying to us. Make me a little bit first. And watch this. So she did. The transformation of the text was not in what Elijah said. It was what the will widow did. The promise could be spoken, but if it doesn't align with the action, its benefits aren't received. God can say it, prep it, provide it for you, but if you're not willing to walk into the place that God has for you, then you don't get what's in the room of the promise. God already has room for the promise. God already has room for the promise. So, this is the blessing that I want for you. I want you to keep living according to the promise. I want you to keep acting according to the promise. And if you haven't, start now. Start walking in accordance with the promise and see what our God can do. I guarantee our God desires to bless you, but we have to be willing to walk in accordance. All right, y'all can take your seats. I promise I'm done. I promise, I promise. But I give you honesty from me, right? Because I don't ever want you to think I'm willing to lead you someplace I'm not willing to go. I think it's problems with that type of leadership. Sometimes it comes, but that's not my typical way. Many of you all know, over a year ago, my wife lost her job. It was, things worked out. We got into this great place. It just didn't work out. And so we've been in search ever since. And God does those weird things to me, right? Because I'm a pastor, I lead groups. God is like, okay, what are you gonna do in this moment? And so of course I'm like, well, <laughs> we are uh, living on a pastor's salary. Don't get me wrong, y'all do great. I love Emmanuel, thank you, Jesus. But this ain't tech money, let's just be honest. There's no stock options in the kingdom of Jesus right now. So I'm like, okay, God, how are we going to do this? We got kids that are growing. We got all this stuff happening. And God says, okay, will you give more now? I'm like, God, that don't make sense. And then, you know, I had these bad conversations with God. I'm like, God, that don't make sense. I know it don't make sense, right? And so God pushes us 2% more than we have been doing before. Say, so make this your call. It's like, cool. I'm like, God, don't worry. I got it. A couple months, babe, we're going to be back on our feet. It's like a year later. I'm like, okay, God, it's not working. God's like, what did I tell you to do? 
and God keeps pushing. We've never missed a meal. A bill has never not been paid. Our kids are still thriving. In fact, they don't know how little money we have. I can tell because they keep asking for stuff. All right, Dad, I'm going to have this Christmas list. Uh, well, you better pray about it. Amen. <laughs> don't talk to Santa Claus this time. Talk to Jesus this time. It's going to be a different one that's going to provide this time. You understand me? But I say that because there are moments when God calls for more out of us. And it's the worst time for the call. God is a famine. God is a drought. This woman doesn't have anything. She's about to die. Why would you require out of her then? Because God wants to interrupt our death destinies with faithful, fearless action. And those moments change everything. We've been walking around with death, destiny-like mentality. This is going to do, this is going to, it's never going to work out. And God wants to interrupt it. He wants to transform it by a request made by you to do more. So, I pray that God blesses you. I pray that God's face always shines upon you. I pray that God will allow the rose to rise to meet you and the wind always to be at your back. I pray that the, the rain will only fall softly upon your fields. I, I pray that God will give you every single desire of your heart. I pray that God will fill the empty spaces. I pray that God will provide the peace that is necessary, but know that that blessing comes with a request. That God might call more out of us to be God's people.